All right, ladies and gents, here we are with episode 466 of the Lifestylist podcast. And this will be another AMA episode, wherein my trusted cohort and podcast co-producer, Bailey Richardson, will be asking me some of our most frequent questions from listeners. And um, the way we're doing this now, as opposed to the old solo cast, is much more fun for me because I have no idea what the questions are ahead of time. And that not only saves me from preparing my manuscript for the old, like I did the old solo cast where it would take me hours to sit there and write everything out. And uh, I'm finding this to be just much more fluid, dynamic, and uh, spontaneous. So I'm looking forward, Bailey, to uh, finding out what you have to say here. And for those of you that want to learn a little bit more about Bailey's role here and how she uh, came to work for the organization known as The Lifestylist, you can go to today's show notes, which are lukestory.com slash 466. And we'll link the prior Ask Me Anything or AMA episodes uh, that Bailey and I produced there. That said, what's happening, Bailey? How's sunny Florida? Oh, it's so perfect here. It's actually kind of cold today, which was a nice little break we got. Yeah, we had we had a good time down there, kind of. <laughs> when we were there recently, Alice and I, I mean, we were doing, as you know, a lot of... Mm-hmm wacky medical procedures at the advanced rejuvenation uh center down and uh down or up from where you are down down mm-hmm. in sarasota mm-hmm. um, so we got a couple beach days which were really nice um but we had planned on kind of doing our treatments throughout the day and then going to the beach every day and i think we only made it to the beach two days because we just you know were so inundated with our treatments there so i'm uh, <laughs> i'm kind of jealous that you have that accessible all the time <laughs> Yeah, it's, I've been spending the last few weekends there. Um, you got to visit St. Pete. I did. Yeah, I'd never been there. Allison wanted to go to uh, St. Pete, as y'all locals call it, otherwise known as St. <laughs> Petersburg, uh, because she used to go there as a kid. And so oh. she was like, I want to, yeah, that was kind of one of her family vacation spots uh, where they would uh, escape the Indiana uh, winters. And so she wanted to go back and just see if she recognized anything. And um, of course she didn't because she was probably there in the early 80s or something. Yeah, and, it's uh, changed so much in the last yeah, couple of years too. It was it was, it was was a cool little town. We, uh, we managed to find kind of the hipster arts district, you know, where all of the kava bars and, you know, cannabis stores are. <laughs> that's not what I was looking for, but that's what you find when you go to, you know, kind of the arts district as they call it. But what was really interesting about St. Pete and, uh, you know, no fear projection on people that live there or a city where this is present, but there were a grip of 5G towers, like all up and down the streets there. It was it was really kind of unnerving. I just felt so bad for the people that live in the apartment building right in front of the 5G tower, or um, we found a great little coffee shop there and I'm walking inside and I look up and there's just some massive 5G tower like 20 feet above the front door of this coffee shop and I'm just oh. thinking oh man people have no idea they're just they just it looks like a weird street light or something you know you have no clue uh, of the level of radiation there so it's always interesting to travel and and notice things like that that many people probably don't notice that's then one and one last thing to be honest it's probably in a sense, uh, it, from one perspective, better not to notice because <laughs> the noticing causes probably more anxiety than actually the radiation itself, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I guess I prefer to Especially, know because... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say St. Pete thinks of itself as a very conscious city, like a 
you know, a spiritual city and they still have the EMF everywhere. Yeah. I actually noticed in Florida, um, one, th- well, one thing was, cause we thought about moving there when we were, um, prospecting our escape plan as refugees from California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just because of the weather and the fact that it has an ocean, uh, it's kind of like a flat California in a way. Um, but going there now, I noticed there's just, there are a million cell towers there for some reason. It's just like Florida and not to put <laughs> put this in your head, because I know you're doing things to mitigate it, but I was like, holy shit, man, they're, they're really big on the... Uh, the cell towers and the 5G towers on every corner. And I was like, man, it's a, it's a very radiated state, uh, which is interesting. It's it's kind of like more telecommunication infrastructure than it seems like the population would call for. Like if you're in the middle of a massive city like New York or LA or something, you kind of figure, okay, there's going to be cell towers everywhere. But even though Florida is kind of spread out and 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 somewhat rural in some places between the big towns or cities, there's just man, they really they really go uh, off the charts with the EMF there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but you us. know, it is what it is. I mean, the the thing is with these things, and and we'll probably talk about some of this from a more um, psychological perspective. But there are so many things in our life experience that you can't control, and that's obviously one of them. So. You know, it's always a balance for me of being aware of where I feel the best and what seems to be the most compatible to my biology and also just knowing sometimes it just is what it is, you know? Yep. Well, let's talk about spirituality so we can help them mitigate the EMF. Let's do it. Okay. First question is, how can I manifest my life partner? Wow. That's a great question. Um, Having spent a considerable amount of time pondering that uh, quandary myself and and eventually at least for me finding the key to that code and the very short answer to that would be to becoming to myself the partner in relation to my own personal experience of me that I'm seeking right it's that water seeks its own level like begets like and uh you know that's a really simplistic way to explain it. But uh, in my experience, there's a couple things that are a bit more tangible, maybe, that I could offer as tools. Uh, as someone who had a lot of experience with codependency and all of its deviations in what would broadly be called unhealthy or toxic relationships, which goes back to, of course, childhood trauma and experiences like that. And, and, and in my case, just not having healthy romantic relationships modeled for me in any way. <laughs> in my formative years, I literally, I don't remember ever seeing two adults as a kid and being like, oh, wow, they really love each other and <laughs> it's going well. Um, you know, just divorces and just actually not even limited to divorces, but also some pretty traumatic experiences that I was exposed to as a kid. So um, no fault of my own that I didn't, you know, learn those skills. And um, frankly, when I was young and was uh, imbued in the world of uh, addiction, there was really no value placed on having healthy and fulfilling connections with people because I was in such a state of survival. So for me, when I started asking that question uh, that you just asked me, 
there were a lot of missteps and a lot of uh, karmic and um, painful lessons, both for me. And uh, I can assume with some certainty, the people with whom I shared partnership. So a lot of drama, a lot of chaos. And for me, the um, process of what we might call inner work or shadow work was the preliminary part that was necessary in order to, quote, manifest or call in uh, a divine partnership, you know, a high-level partnership that is based on unconditional love and healthy communication and healthy boundaries and personal sovereignty. Uh, sovereignty I can never say that word right. And uh, and true intimacy, not not false intimacy, which comes from a lack of boundaries on one or both parties in the relationship. And it could feel a lot like intimacy in those situations, but true intimacy where someone really sees you and you really see them um, outside of a trauma bonding kind of dynamic. So much of the work in my experience has been uh, working on myself first and foremost. And so um, that has involved and continues to involve in some cases, uh, really deliberately in a very committed way, exploring all of the patterns that I've developed in my adult life that are the result of unhealed emotional wounds that I've been carrying around my whole life. Uh, there's so many patterns that we use habitually and often subconsciously because there are parts of ourselves emotionally and our emotional body that are hurt. And so we enter into relationships. Uh, a a um, metaphor for this might be when you were young, you went skiing and you broke your leg and nobody put it in a cast and you've been kind of hobbling along and you keep trying to get back on the slopes and ski over and over and over again and wonder why you keep falling down. You know, So it's uh, emotional wounds um, are trickier than a broken leg because they're more difficult to see and they often require professional help to to uncover and to disclose. And it also requires a really deep commitment to our evolution to be able to go into those scary places within ourselves. I mean, who wants to look at the abuse they endured as a kid, um, the divorces that we were exposed to, you know, all of the things that are just part of the human condition and more commonly in family lines that are, that have been prone to uh, alcoholism, addiction, violence, sexual abuse. I mean, these things are carried on generationally. And some of the work that I've done that's helped me be prepared to have uh, what I have now is, a, you know, as a really incredible, um, trusting, safe, loving relationship with my wife, Allison, is really taking some time to look back, not only at the experiences that I've um you know, witnessed or felt during my life, but also looking back through some of the family history, you know, and seeing, wow, did did anyone on either side of my family really have a healthy relationship? <laughs> and, you know, in my case, and I, I love my family, all of them dead and alive. I mean, they're beautiful and they're what made me who I am today. So I'm I'm grateful for all of them. And it's not a judgment, but just as an objective, honest observation. I don't think anyone on either side of my family has had what I would consider a healthy long-term 
relationship with a romantic partner. Maybe a few generations back, I don't know about it, but I've interviewed my parents and this is actually a really good practice. This is something that's um, tangible and doable is to, if your parents are still living or whoever your closest relatives are, to really take some time to um, excavate their history and their parents' history and their parents' parents' history and really find out who's experienced which traumas and when and with whom and start to kind of dismantle those patterns in terms of just taking an inventory on your family lineage and really seeing like, wow, what have I inherited here, right? What 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 experiences through my bloodline and this this is more difficult for someone who was adopted obviously but in your formative years at least you're taking on the patterns and the energetics of whoever your primary caregivers happen to be but is to really go back you know to take a deep inventory not only again of my life but the lives that have come before me that helped shape me you know the the genetics the and also the epigenetics of my own experiences and my past behavior and patterns so all that um I say, as a prerequisite to bringing in the kind of relationship that I want, as I said in the beginning, is I have to become myself the type of partner that I'm seeking, right? So if I'm still operating from childhood wounds and I'm acting out of codependency and I have unhealthy attachments or addictions to things or people or emotions, uh, if my biochemistry, my neurochemistry is askew and I'm having a difficult time functioning by myself in any significant way, uh, the first step is to actually work on oneself. And a big part of that in my experience has been to really take a hard pause <laughs> from you know, the effort that goes into, quote, manifesting the perfect partner or the ideal partner. Um, we have a tendency because we're all wired for connection. We're all wired to give and receive love that when we're not in a relationship and we feel that sense of isolation and existential loneliness, that the thing that's missing is another person. But until we learn how to truly be self-sufficient and have a relationship with our innermost selves, uh, we're going to use other people as more of a crutch rather than a complementary addition to our uh, ourselves and our ability to expand in our capacity for love. So one of the tools that's most important in this realm is in between relationships, taking especially a difficult relationship. I mean, some, some might've had a, a healthy, fulfilling relationship and it just ended because the two people or one of them changed, right? And you're evolving in different ways and you might've had a conscious uncoupling and you really love one another, but you're just not meant to be in a romantic partnership, right? Um, aside from that though, most breakups involve hurt feelings and anger and resentment. And uh, you know, there's, I think very few people that are ending relationships where everyone's copacetic, you know? So if a relationship is ended and anyone is sort of at fault, uh, just for lack of a better way to put it, let's say I'm the one I see, oh man, wow, I wasn't really emotionally available or I was selfish or dishonest or whatever my part in that uh, demise of the relationship was, for me to really take a pause and reflect 
and be honest with myself about those parts of my way of feeling, thinking, or behaving that contributed to the uh, undermining of that relationship and to take a break. So some years ago, I was having a terrible time with relationships. And um, it was so confusing to me because I was, I would say, relatively highly functioning in all other aspects of my life. Right? It's like my, my friend relationships are great. My relationships with my family are great. Um, I'm having a fulfilling career. I'm doing creative work that I enjoy. My finances are in order. I'm no longer in debt and having all of these sort of struggles that I had early on. Um, everything is pretty smooth, except each time I attempted to have a new relationship. And again, it's because I, A, I lacked the skills to do so. I had no idea what it took to have a healthy relationship. And, and I'd also never seen it done. So there was, there was no modeling of that. So what I had to do, um, or elected to do myself was to stop any kind of dating or sexual activity, uh, at least with other people, <laughs> uh, for almost two years, you know, so I was celibate and it was a really difficult time because it was the first time in my adult life since I started dating and having sex at, I guess, 16 years old. It was the first and only time I had ever had any sort of a pause in that aspect. Um, even if, well, yeah, I never stopped that, right? There was never like a recovery period after a relationship. One of the dysfunctional ways that I would cope with heartbreak was just dating other people quickly and trying to use them and the chemistry or the dynamic of those new relationships as a way to ease the pain and really bypass the growth that was available to me at the end of those relationships. So as I started to see those patterns, uh, the last time, and I'm a slow learner when it comes to, to this part, you know, I mean, I'm 52, about to be 53 this year. And like, this is the first time I've been capable of really holding space and calling in a partner who brings out the very best in me. I think that's a good gauge of what when I'm using the terms like a healthy or toxic relationship, it's like one can ask themselves, does this person or this dynamic that I've created with someone elevate my life and uh, encourage me to be a better person? Am I doing better emotionally? Am I doing better financially? Is there more peace in my home? Is there more serenity in my daily experience? Or is it deleterious to my well-being? And in my past relationships, God bless them. And I take full responsibility for every partner I chose and, and all of the ways uh, that, that those relationships played out. But in almost all cases, not all of them, if I look back, both parties' lives were actually diminished by us being together. <laughs> you know? which is a harsh truth to face. No one, no one wants to uh, admit that kind of truth to themselves or few people do. I don't like to admit it even on a podcast, but it's just, it's just the real deal. It's just the truth, you know, and on, on the lifestylist, uh, one of our core values is keeping it real, you know? So I'll just put that out there and you know me, you work with me. Um, I, I'm not perfect and I have many faults, but being fake, I hope is not one of them. 
or hiding parts of myself because I find them to be shameful or I want to be mm-hmm. perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, after many failed relationships and some of them, uh, especially the last couple being extremely painful for everyone involved, I again made the conscious decision to just take a break. And when I'm talking about being celibate, I'm talking about no flirting, no intriguing with people, no little glances at the coffee shop, not liking a a woman's Instagram post just to get a little hit. And what I started to notice was when I let go of those micro little boosts that I would get, I saw how much energy I was wasting in seeking attention or giving attention or just really almost um, really isn't overstating to say there's there's a high associated with that intrigue, right? When you know somebody gets a little flirtatious with you or you get flirtatious with someone else and they you know you you, you get that little warm feeling in your belly or elsewhere that ooh, they're responsive, you know all of that, which is there's nothing wrong with any of that, right? This is human mating rituals, right? But when your mating rituals are getting you into relationships that have a very destructive impact on your life, in my case, it seems smart to re-examine and, and for a time completely remove myself from those rituals. And so when I did that, it was... I mean, whew, it was a dark night of the soul, Bailey, for real. I mean, I'm at home every night alone. And it's funny, at the time that I did this, the way spirit kind of orchestrates things for our benefit, um, however uncomfortable that orchestration might be at times, um, all of my guy friends, like all the homies, kind of got paired up around that same time. And guys were getting engaged and getting married and having kids and and moving away from where I lived in, in Hollywood at that time. And um, w- there was just less of like a male homie group. It sort of disintegrated because everyone was growing up and doing what they should do, which is, well, I don't know, what I like to do, <laughs> get married, have a family, uh, become an adult man and not just hanging out with the boys all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very alone and, um, I would do something that I've, I've heard called self dating. And I mean, talk about feeling like a loser. I would <laughs> take myself to the movies and like get kind of dressed up. I would go out to dinner by myself. I mean, I just, I really had to learn how to be alone and how to be comfortable with my own company. Let's face it, you guys, we're all pretty damn stressed out these days. What a crazy three years it's been. Well, what if there was an easy way to build resilience to stress? I use this device called the Apollo, so I spend less time in fight or flight mode and get more time to rest and digest. The Apollo wearable was developed by neuroscientists and physicians and utilizes a new touch therapy experience for better sleep, more energy, relaxation, and focus. The way it works is this, through soothing gentle waves of vibration, the Apollo wearable helps your body relax and reduces the feeling of stress, putting you into a state that allows you to have more control over how you want to feel. I use the Apollo Neuro app to effortlessly transition through my day and night, 
using the modes that help me relax, fall asleep, focus, recover, and stay calm and present. I often use this thing during podcast recordings. As a matter of fact, I put it on the social mode and it kind of gives me a feeling of having a quarter drink. And the science behind this technology and the results are the real deal. Across seven completed clinical trials with 14 ongoing and real-world studies, Apollo wearable users experience, check this out, 40% less stress and feelings of anxiety on average, 19% more time in deep sleep on average, an 11% increase in HRV on average, and up to 25% more focus and concentration. So that's pretty impressive. And I love when tech companies come out with stuff like this and they actually do studies to prove to me that it works beyond my own imagination. To score yourself an Apollo right now, go to apolloneuro.com and use the code LUKESTORY15 to save 15%. Again, that's apolloneuro.com and the code is LUKESTORY15. And this is all really just a process of self-love and self-healing. And, and the reason I'm emphasizing this so much in, in answering this question, I'm taking really the long way around because the short answer is like, oh, you write down you know, the ideal partner and you meditate on it every day and then they magically appear, which does happen. But what is also likely to happen, as was the case with me, I would manifest new partners and those new partners would be the same partner that I just broke up with with a different name and a different face because I was the same, right? So that mm -hmm. resonance and that attraction uh, was coming from the same level of consciousness because I had never taken the time to stop and reflect and really change my character. So the character that had chosen my ex-girlfriend that ended up having a really codependent dysfunctional dynamic is the same guy now that's just going to pick the next one, right? Because of the ways that we're attracted based on our unhealed traumas and um, the, the chemistry that comes from two unhealed people sort of fitting each other like a lock and a key. And it can feel, like I said earlier, around false intimacy. It can feel like that person is your soulmate because it's so exciting. And it's just, they text you back and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God, I think this is going somewhere, right? We all know that feeling. And it's a beautiful feeling. I mean, it's, it's how nature designed us. But there are also glitches in the matrix of our nature um, because of the way we're wired psychologically. And so without taking the time and energy uh, to rewire oneself, it's very likely that the same patterns that were present in our prior unsatisfactory relationships are going to reappear because the neural pathways and the subconscious patterns and drives that have been running us and that have been operational for so long are just going to find the similarity in a new person. And then we're left in a situation that feels like we're in love. This is my soulmate. It's meant to be. And we might even make huge sacrifices or deny some of our... Um, you know, our boundaries are our core values because the feeling is so exciting. And so a really important thing to observe is that, is it exciting and intriguing with this new person because it's healthy or familiar? Because familiar 
can feel really exciting. And sometimes healthy can feel not very exciting at all because it's not triggering those unhealed parts of ourselves. If the trauma within me has been healed to the degree at least that I'm able to identify a potential partner as something more than just a fling or something that's just exciting. Uh, if those parts haven't been addressed and, and at least explored with some degree of consistency and depth, I'm likely to call in or manifest that ideal partner in a fool's gold dynamic because it's going to feel so exciting. But the reason it often feels exciting is because there's the familiarity, that trauma bonding element of the relationship where it's just like, oh, it's it's like a feeling when you get with someone and you know it's wrong, but it's just so hot, right? And you just, <laughs> you can't stop. And that you have an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and the devil's like, do it, this is so hot, right? <laughs> and then the angel's like, ah, oh, they're kind of like the last guy. They're kind of like the last girl, like go slow, you know, take it easy. Don't sleep with them yet, right? All that. And, um, you know, chemistry, human sexual chemistry is so freaking strong. I mean, we're wired to procreate. And so we're, we're working against um, so much of our nature, our animal nature, right? But if we can really forge a relationship with, with our true selves, our higher selves, our soul, and start to examine our behavior... From that perspective, and of course, this goes into you know meditation and therapy and all the different things we can we can use to um, to build that into our our way of being. Um, we're just very likely to repeat the same patterns. So, I'll put this in a couple steps. One is if you're wanting to call in the perfect, the no one's perfect, right? But if you want to call in, let's mm. just say a healthy, fulfilling relationship that adds to your life and one uh, in which you add to your partner's life and both of your lives improve as a result of joining forces, which is the way my relationship is now, thankfully. If that's what you want, then the first step is to really withdraw and re-examine yourself and your life and your patterns and really do a thorough inventory of what made your past relationships not work. In other words, if you're looking to manifest your partner, what happened to the last one? <laughs> Where'd they go? You know, what, mm -hmm. what, and, and, and of course, it's easy for us to go, oh, well, you know, they had issues. It was their fault, right? But let's say you were kind of the, uh, you know, in, in, in a court of law, if your past relationship that ended in a breakup, uh, you know, was put before the jury and you would have been the one deemed to be innocent and the other guilty which is the case in, in sometimes. I mean, sometimes we get involved with a sociopath and we have no idea, right? Or just someone who is um, lacks character and they fooled us. I mean, we're, we're very um, susceptible to deception and being manipulated. I mean, it's just the human mind is so malleable and easy to trick, especially when it's thirsty for love. But let's say you were the innocent one in your past relationship. Then the inventory in that case would be, well, what was it about me that was blind to that person's flaws and character? What was it about my level of self-worth and self-love that allowed me to be treated so shittily? There's always a responsibility for me to take, even if I have been the victim of a perpetrator, 
There's, there's always, and this isn't victim shaming. I mean, of course there are scenarios where somebody is just treated brutally and they literally just were walking down the street. But I'm talking about getting involved in a long-term relationship with someone who is pathologically um, corrupt. You know, Then I have the opportunity to look within myself and say, well, what was it about me that had such porous boundaries or that had such uh, blinders on that didn't let me see what I was getting myself into, right? So all of these ways, and this could be done with a therapist. I mean, a lot of this work for me earlier on was done in therapy and in 12-step groups based on relationships and sex and all of that, reading every book on codependency and sex addiction, love addiction. I mean, just trying to figure it out. So arming myself with some quality information uh, was a huge part of it. And in my particular case, to get to some of that deep healing, and I've talked about this on multiple other podcasts for the past four years, um, the intentional use of plant medicines and psychedelics and either um, you know a ceremonial therapeutic setting. I mean, I was really able to get to some of those deeper parts of myself uh, and heal them to where after that experience, they were no longer operational. I mean, just quantifiably different experience of life. But there are, there are many ways to heal that stuff. So, so that's, that's kind of the, f- the first couple steps, right? Is look at your family history, interview your parents or your grandparents if they're still alive, like find out what makes people tick in your tribe and then find out what has made you tick in your own life and take responsibility for whatever parts of your failed relationships you can truly and honestly own. Then taking some time off during that period of reflection and rebuilding, right? Of just removing one's energy and feeling how uncomfortable it is to be lonely and learning how to be comfortable with oneself and to truly enjoy someone's company. So fast forward my experience in this on this particular part of it. Um, my wife, Allison, is out today on a hike with her friend. And around the house, it's like, it's just not as fun when she's not here. <laughs> but I don't, I don't miss her like a part of myself is missing and I, I can't function because she didn't text me back or I don't need to track her on her phone to see if she's cheating on me. You know, it's just, there's no, it's a healthy attachment. And the reason that I'm, I think capable of having a healthy attachment because I do have an attachment to her. She was just out of town for a couple of days uh, filming. A, I don't know if I told you about this. She was filming a, a, an episode for Gaia TV, which is pretty exciting. I saw it on the calendar and I used to watch that show a lot. Oh, that, cool. Um, the George Belief. Nury? Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. cool. It was fun <laughs> for me because back in the day when I was, um, when I was employed as a bodyguard slash driver for prostitutes, um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I did see, not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be in my book, um, coming soon <laughs> to a theater near you. Um, but one of the things I used to do is I would listen to the Art Bell show, Coast to Coast, uh, from like midnight till three in the morning, and then Howard Stern would start at three in the morning. I would listen to that from three to six, and then listen to the replay because obviously I was working nights in that particular vocation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then then. Um, uh, Art Bell died and George Nury took over coast to coast. So like, yeah, he, those guys were like the OG UFO conspiracy theory guys. Um, and, and now I, I think his show is, you know, a little bit more about spirituality and 
in her mm-hmm. case, shamanism stuff. So anyway, I digress. She was out of town for a couple of days and I was just observing my inner experience, right? Like, ooh, am I okay? The wife's gone. Like, do I feel needy or do I feel alone? Am I anxious? Am I uncomfortable being by myself? Am I using more nicotine or being on my phone more? Am I running away? Am I hiding? How am I, how am I dealing with that? And, and if I'm truly honest, I definitely noticed that she was gone and I was fine, but I also really prefer when she's here. It's, it's, it's additive to my life and my experience just to have her energy and her love present in, in the house or wherever we are, you know, but I wasn't falling apart and I wasn't acting out or doing anything weird to mask the feelings that I had. In other words, there's a healthy attachment and there's, I think a healthy dependency, but not a codependency. I'm still my own man. I'm an individual sovereign person as is she And it was necessary for me to learn how to be alone and to truly enjoy my own company and to be able to really keep myself busy and entertain myself and just enjoy my life by myself before I could bring someone in and not have it be based on a lower, a lower energy sort of neediness, right? This way you're secure already. You're secure in yourself and you don't, it's not like everything's going to fall apart just because she's not there. Yeah. Well, she might not agree with that. (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, totally. I mean, I missed her, right? I missed her. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love her. I'm obsessed with her in in the best way. I think she's coming home now. I'll probably see her on the porch and get a little flutter in my heart. I mean, that's that's a beautiful part about being in love, right? Is it's like it's easy to take people for granted when they're there all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Like I'm, I've built a practice of just being in constant appreciation of her and anytime, well, every time I'm sure I forget at times, but my, my general habituated sense of her, when I look at her sitting on the couch or she walks in my office to interrupt me from my work, cause she just needs to give me a hug. And then I realize, wow, I really needed that hug too. I look at her like I've never seen her before. Mm. You know, just that newness. I keep that newness alive and that that deep appreciation. And I think that's one of the the keys of the success of our relationship and the fact that it is so mutually fulfilling. And she probably has her own version of that. But it's easy when you're around someone 24-7, just like, oh yeah, that's the wife, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I don't do that. I I appreciate not not even what she does, but just who she is. And I, I keep myself aware of how goddamn lucky I am to have her. I mean, uh. for real. You've likely heard some of the many podcasts I've done on the topic of molecular hydrogen. It's something I've been using and studying for a very long time, but it's been hard to find an affordable and legit way to take it. Well, thankfully, someone finally created a medical-grade therapeutic hydrogen generator for at-home use. It's called the Lord's Hydrofix. And I keep mine right here at my desk, so I have hydrogen water and inhalation available on tap all day as I work. In fact, I have it sitting right in front of me, and I already had a glass this morning. 
Molecular hydrogen therapy, by the way, has been shown to improve cognitive and neurological function, increase energy production and cellular efficiency, boost the immune system, combat digestive issues, and positively impact anything else in the body that suffers from chronic inflammation. In fact, it's so powerful that it's been shown to reduce oxidative stress in various tissues and organs, including the brain, heart, liver, and kidneys. So that's the good news about hydrogen. But unfortunately, there are a ton of crappy, fake-ass hydrogen products on the market, so I worked really hard to find the best. The Lord's Hydrofix is the only hydrogen machine that produces structured hydrogen, resulting in a more stable, longer-lasting, higher-saturated oxygen water. It makes these super nanobubbles of hydrogen that make it easier for your body to utilize. So I just love this thing, and uh, I'll bet top dollar that you will too. You can get yourself some H2 at holyhydrogen.com. And use the code GOH2 to save 100 bucks. Plus, they have payment plans, which makes this a total no-brainer. So again, hit up holyhydrogen.com. And remember to use the code GOH2. But anyway, back to the, back to the question. And, and I'll get to the grand finale, hopefully. But to just try to manifest a partner without doing all of that other work, I'm not saying for everyone, but again, speaking from my own subjective experience, it's very likely to manifest another version of the partners you've already had. And if not the partners you've already had, the type of dynamic that you've already had, which obviously didn't work out if you're single now, right? Mm -hmm. So taking all of that time, doing all of that inner work, and the inner work continues, right? Because relationships, especially close, intimate relationships of the romantic nature, um, they have a beautiful way of bringing out those things within ourselves that uh, still need some healing. And when you're in a karmic relationship, as opposed to a dharmic relationship, the karmic relationship serves the purpose of pretty much just that, of each person just having their wounds triggered to the point where they have to face it, right? And some of those partners in a karmic relationship might have so much love for one another that they're able to stay together through the process of working through that karma together. Uh, and then others have to separate and you do the work I'm describing, find your own personal dharma and your relationship with yourself truly and to heal any underlying wounds of you not being lovable or whatever your story might be or stories that you've made up about yourself and calling in a partner in the way that I would recommend is calling in a dharmic partner where you have two people that are really doing the work and that don't need another painful doomed relationship to encourage them to do that work, right? Mm -hmm. It's like each person is individually motivated to keep evolving and elevating their consciousness in whatever ways uh, they deem most appropriate for themselves, right? So Allison has her spiritual practices. I have my spiritual practices. They differ somewhat in terms of their optics and um, practice, but we also come together and have our own shared practices. We, we pray together. We meditate together. We occasionally um, sit in ceremony together. I mean, the purpose of our relationship is for both of us to grow closer to God. And the relationship is a vehicle by which we do that. And in that, 
there's a really fulfilling and in a different way, exciting love. It's not an exciting love where you're in fight or flight all the time because you think you're about to get in a fight or you just did or they're playing manipulative games with you and didn't text you back or they're going to hang out with their ex just to fuck with you or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, it's it, it's a different kind of excitement. It's 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 not even excitement. That's the wrong word. It's, it's a, a sense of being home. It's safe. You know, when you... Maybe if if you have a good relationship with your family and you fly home for the holidays, right? And you walk into your old childhood house and your parents are there and, you know, no one's perfect, but you all love one another and you just go, ah, you mm-hmm. kind of exhale and you can just be yourself and mm-hmm. they know you so well, you couldn't bullshit them anyway. It's home, <laughs> you know? And so if if what we seek, and I'm just going to presume that, you know, people that commonly ask this question I'm going to presume what they're looking for is a sense of being home, a sense of being safe, a sense of being seen, of being heard, of being appreciated, uh, a sense of someone holding a deep presence with and for them, you know, a true connection, true intimacy into me, I see, right? Into you, I see, to really have a comprehensive and integrated relationship that requires becoming that unto myself, the relationship with myself. And that creates space for someone else to come in to that, to that realm of safety and that sense of home. But the, the real home is within my own heart. I mean, that's where I have to find it first. So in terms of manifesting, which is kind of a, you know, a trendy concept, but it's, it's, it's a truth. It's a spiritual truth. It's a principle. I mean, we do manifest, right? What I was describing in this whole tirade that I just offered, um, which hopefully included some value for people listening, I manifested every partner I ever had and they manifested me, you know, in all, in all the relationships that didn't work out. And some of them, you know, didn't work out dramatically. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we chose each other. We invited subconsciously those dynamics into each other's lives because it was our karma to, to learn. And I'm so grateful for all of the hard lessons and all of the, the heartbreaks. Um, and I'm so healthily remorseful about the harm that I caused throughout my life as well, just out of my own ignorance and selfishness. And I've, I've owned that. And in any case that I can think, done everything I can to rectify and make amends for my own behavior. So, you know, all of that stuff of like cleaning up our side of the street. Now, when I say that, I'm like, some woman's going to listen to this podcast and be like, no, you didn't, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hit me up if I missed you, you know, honestly and truthfully. Um, you know, it, to clean up one's own karma and and clean up your side of the street and, and your house to get your own house in order. When that's done, the process of envisioning the perfect partner is really fun because you know it's going to be something new. And for those listening that have already had a bunch of healthy relationships and you weren't as screwed up as me, then you can just forget all the stuff I said because you already did it and now we'll go into the manifesting. Um, What I did before this relationship, when I came out of that period of celibacy and just really being like a monk, I was a renunciate, man. I just was at home. I was with myself. I was going to therapy. I'm going to my groups. I'm reading all these books. I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm listening to relationship podcasts. I mean, I am determined to heal these parts of myself that keep hurting people and getting me hurt. 
So what I did when I was ready to come out of that is I wrote a dating plan. And this came at the advice of um, you know wise counsel from people with whom I was spending time and learning about relationship dynamics. And so I wrote out a set of rules for myself um, that, in, I mean, I have this thing in Evernote. It's way too private to ever share, but the, the, mm-hmm. the you, you have access to my Evernote. You could go look at it, <laughs> Bailey. I, it might be helpful to you. You're, you're I think, still single. Um, but essentially, I, I made a plan for myself that that put some confines on my tendencies to move too quickly and blindly into new relationships. So I don't remember the exact um, parameters of it, but it was like, if I meet someone, um, you know, I'm going to ask them on a date and we're going to meet somewhere in public. They're not just going to like roll over to the crib and Netflix and chill. Like we're going to go to coffee. We're going to go on a hike, whatever it is. That date is going to be under two hours and I'm not going to have another date with them until at least a week. I mean, there are all sorts of rules that wow. I have put in place for me. And I'm not saying everyone has to do this. I was just yeah. super out of alignment in this area. So I needed that. Um, no texting incessantly back and forth, no trauma bonding, anything that looked like the way I used to do things had to go. And so it was all about me pacing myself and also being aware of my tendencies, which historically had uh, lent themselves more to the love avoidant side, the classic unavailable guy, that was me. But then mm-hmm. as I started to kind of open my heart and get into the breath work and yoga and you know deeper into meditation, my heart started to open more. And then I had a couple dynamics in which I was kind of more needy and more in the love addict position. And the woman was like, pushing me away, right? So I, I've experienced uh-huh. both, but the majority of them were that. So I was looking for those tendencies. And, and that's why, you know, pacing myself and not just, you know, meeting that person, and going, oh my God, they're the one, they're the one. Like, no, uh, the, the, the lower brain cannot, de- for guys, uh, cannot determine the one. Like, you know, not, not having sex right away, like being slow with the physical intimacy, all of that, I had to be very deliberate so that I didn't repeat the same patterns. And really in this list that I made, which is my dating plan and ultimately the vision for a partner, I put those parameters in place so that I could be aware of those patterns within myself, but also to be able to observe them with my potential partners, right? Are they starting to like text me incessantly? Are they a, are they a love addict? Mm-hmm. Um, if we had made plans and they're kind of flaking out and being flighty, is this a sign of being love avoidant? Right? So it's it's looking at myself but also looking at them, you know, not from a judgmental place, but just honest evaluation. And so you know, I could go on and on about the details of those parameters, but setting some rules for myself was very helpful. And then also in, in, in something I do with everything in my life that I, that I want to have in my experience, like right now, for example, um, I'm working on a vision of having a place uh, where I can escape to in the summer when it's hot as shit in Texas. It's not that fun to be here in July and August. So I'm like, well, we moved here. We built this house. What am I going to do? Like, I can't, 
it's not practical to just up and leave and nowhere has perfect weather except Los Angeles maybe. And I don't want to be there anymore. (laughs) So, um, so I'm now manifesting some kind of mountain cabin or something in Idaho or Montana, and we're going to go up there this summer. And I, I would like to bring this to fruition. So I have a plan for it. Right. So with my dating plan was also a vision of an ideal partner. Um, starting with, and I wrote this down, right? This is really, really important part of this because just thinking it is is not going to bring its potential to fruition. Thinking it, having the ideas, forming the thoughts, and then writing it down, the first two steps, the third step is actually sharing it with another person. Hopefully not the person you just started dating, (laughs) (laughs) right? Not on the first date. Oh, that's another thing in the rules too, is like no oversharing, you know, in the first few dates, like this is, we don't need to talk about like the abuse I endured as a kid or that I was an addict, like boundaries, 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 boundaries. This is important for me in that stage because, well, there's a lot of reasons, but you could boil it down to as a kid, I wasn't raised with any kind of boundaries and my boundaries were invaded by perpetrators um, on an ongoing basis. So as an adult, I didn't even know what was socially appropriate to talk about and with whom and when. So Mm. like a first date, I would just be like vomiting all of my whole life story on someone. So I started to be mindful of that. And then I would notice if the other person was doing that and it'd just be something to notice a little bit, a little red flag or maybe a pink flag, right? Of like, huh, they seem to lack boundaries. (laughs) Good to know, right? Anyway, back to the vision. So I categorized the vision of the perfect partner, just like I would do the mountain cabin in Montana. I want it to be near a spring. I want to have like a a modern aesthetic. I want to be off grid, whatever. With the partner, first most important thing, and this all came true, by the way, were my core values and my morals. These are my non-negotiables, right? Like these are the things that I really seek in a partner. And they're things that I'm not willing to bend on at all. Um, So loyalty, honesty, um, compassion, kindness, um, selflessness, you know, all of these, these great qualities, which, which we all possess somewhere underneath the surface of all of our (laughs) character defects. Right. But like, what do we value in life? Someone who is, devoted to a God of their understanding, someone who's deeply spiritual, who's here on earth to do God's work. That's what I was looking for because that's who I am and what I am, right? However imperfectly I might do that, that's that's the trajectory of my life. Like that's where I'm going. I am here to do God's will, period. And I deviate from that plan all the time, but there's always a sort of guiding light or a compass within me that's like, oh, you're off course, get back to the plan, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing is like the fundamental qualities uh, that I was seeking in a partner. And then there were kind of lifestyle compatibility parts. So this is, um, you know, do we kind of go to bed at the same time? Do we want to live in the same sort of uh, climate? Does that person want to live in a city or live in the country um, where are they aligned politically? Are, are they religious? Um, what's their relationship like with their parents? How functional or lack thereof uh, is that relationship and their family of origin? Uh, those things that maybe people don't talk about early on and then become problematic later. 
Um, what's their uh, stance on uh, raising children? Do they want children? If so, how many? Are they willing to not inoculate their children? Are they going to be down for a home birth? Like the things that really, at least for me, mattered in terms of a long-term situation. So like, are we compatible in our kind of worldview and the way we want to live our lives and, and where we want to live our lives? You know, these are important things, not on the first date, right? But as you get to know someone and there's some synergy there, some chemistry there, and you, you think it's going well. But I want to know all of this ahead of time. Like, what am I truly looking for when I manifest a partner? I'm not just like, bring me someone sexy and awesome. It's <laughs> like, no, bring me someone that at least roughly fits this criteria so that we have a chance at longevity and so that I'm actually going to be a, a positive, um, a positive influence on their life as well. Like the person that I'm looking for that has all of these qualities and preferences and such is also looking for that in someone else, which is me. Right. So it's, it's really getting clear about what I want very specifically. So it's the core values, the moral character of someone, then it's sort of worldview lifestyle preferences like, for example, I couldn't date someone that listens to like rap music or <laughs> hip hop in my presence, especially if they like to listen to it loudly, like in our house. It sounds trite and like superficial maybe, but I don't like that music. And there's a lot of music I don't like. I'm just picking one out of the hat. I'm just super picky about music and I just don't like that kind of music. Now, if you want to like listen to some old soul and R and B, whatever, cool, you know. But when when soul and R and B kind of grew up and became rap and hip hop, it just lost me. So I don't want to hear it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the same could be said if someone like listens to like death metal and punk rock. Like I did that shit when I was sixteen. I don't want that kind of music in my house or drive around in my car. These are things that might seem seem insignificant and superficial, but when it comes to living the rest of your life with someone, ideally just was my hope calling in that partner. Um, I need to be clear on what I want and what I don't want. Not only what my preferences are, but which things are non-negotiable and which are negotiable. So say someone likes to listen to punk rock all day. Cool. Are they willing to do it like in their room and not in the, you know, in the Sonos whole house system or whatever, right? <laughs> we can negotiate some of the superficial things. And then lastly, and this is where it gets very superficial, but also meaningful was the way the person looks, like the color hair, the color eyes I'm attracted to, the um, the eth eth ethnicity, what's the word? Ethnicity? Mm -hmm. All that. Like we all have our preferences and then we find, wow, we're attracted to someone we never thought we'd be attracted to. And that totally happens too. But if I could, you know, rub a, a genie bottle and say like, create the perfect woman for me, I would have preferences, my sexual preferences, what turns me on, what turns me off, all of that stuff. I mean, I think mine, no, I know it had, it's just, do I want to admit this? Mine had like preferred cup size, you know what I'm saying? It was like, <laughs> it, it was very specific, but many of those things weren't non-negotiable. That's just like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to aim for the bleachers here. Like if I could really create the perfect person, for me, these are all of the qualities they would have, right? A common request from Lifestylist listeners is a breakdown of my top five non-negotiable supplements. 
After a couple decades of research, I'd have to say that vitamin K2 easily makes that list. Nearly every American adult has insufficient levels of vitamin K2. It's simply not available in the modern Western diet. Why does this matter? Well, a K2 deficiency can cause major issues, including coronary artery disease, heart disease, bone spurs, kidney stones and liver stones, plaque in your heart vessels, and even major cardiac events. In 1990, the Rotterdam study looked at people from eastern Japan who consumed high amounts of K2. More than 8,400 participants were given 50 micrograms of natural K2 on a daily basis for more than 10 years, and the results were insane. Participants of the study showed a 50% decrease in cardiovascular events and mortality, a 25% decrease in all-cause mortality, and finally, a 25% increased rate of living longer and healthier. It's crazy what they found in this study. So now you can see why I'm into taking K2 every single day of my life. And my favorite source is from a company called Just Thrive. Their vitamin K2 is the only product on the market with 320 micrograms of pharmaceutical grade K2-7, which is the optimal daily amount. This is the K2 I use and trust because it's microbiologist formulated and clinically tested and supports healthy heart, circulation, brain, bones, and nerves, and even encourages healthy blood sugar levels. So for exceptional gut and immune health, there's nothing like Just Thrive. And right now you can get 15% off everything Just Thrive carries when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use the code LUKE15 at checkout. That's justthrivehealth.com and the code is Luke15. The most important though in that manifestation process uh, was definitely their moral character and that we are aligned in terms of our internal values. The principles by which we live and our level of commitment and dedication to living by those principles. That's number one. And out of that come non-negotiables. And those non-negotiables are discovered by having a list of red flags. Did I catch the person in a white lie on the third date? That's not a non-negotiable. That's a red flag that that person might not meet one of my core values, which is radical honesty. No lying ever about Mm -hmm. anything. No lying, no hiding, no manipulating, no trickery, no fuckery allowed. Why? Because I don't allow that for myself. If I don't allow that for myself and I'm allowing that from someone else, then I have some self-esteem work to do because I'm putting up with something from someone else that I wouldn't put up with for myself, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So actually writing out this vision, refining it, making it very thorough and then sharing it with someone you trust, you know, a good friend and saying, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. And then the final step. And I realize, you know, we're about an hour in now. So I I think as predicted, the questions, plural, uh, (laughs) are going to be a question. I think this will be hopefully useful to some people. I know had I heard the things that I'm sharing today, 10 years ago, if I was ready to hear it, oh my God, it would have saved me a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And and other people as well. So, um, you know, I'm really happy to share this sort of information. And Allison and I have done, you know, I don't want to say lectures isn't the right word, but talks and <laughs> workshops. And we're going to be doing much more work in this area. So it's something about which I have a lot of passion. So when this vision is 
on paper and it's something that you are ready to realize and you've done at least some of the inner work to clear the path to make something new and beautiful uh, happen. The last step of this is going over your list and honestly answering to yourself how much of that you are able to express. Am I really honest? What's, What's my integrity level? Am I loyal? Am I selfless? Am I giving? Am I compassionate and understanding? Am I open-minded? Am I willing? You know, am I capable of being of service to other people? Am I generous? Am I able to receive? You know, it's like all those really important characteristics of someone else that we seek are only going to come into our experience if we are an energetic vibrational match for those qualities. And no one's perfect. Your partner's not going to be, and I certainly am not. But am I close? Yeah. And in my own experience, if I had a Bible around, I'd swear on it. Only when I reached a certain degree of qualification of embodiment was I able to, I don't want to say manifest, because it's not like I made her, God manifested her and you and me and everyone. But when I came into resonance frequency, if you want to state it in kind of a new agey way, with that person, then that person appeared. And in my case, it wasn't even that she appeared because we were already friends for a few years before we got together, which by the way is quite common that relationships work out when you're, you're friends for a while and then you become friends with benefits, um, provided it's in an appropriate context and maybe not your boss or something like that. But, <laughs> although that could work too. Just depends. Um, relationships are dynamic and unpredictable. But when I had a moment of truth uh, on the third date with Allison, uh, it's so fun to talk about this, and I, I've told this story before in, in different ways and different in different places. But um, essentially, we <laughs> our third date was a, and I don't recommend this. And this was totally outside of my dating plan, by the way. I broke all the rules, <laughs> so you could say everything I just said before about making these rules doesn't apply. I did follow them for a while, but with her, it was a little different because I knew her previously. It wasn't just like. Oh, I met her at a bar and now like things are hot and heavy the next day or whatever. You know, I was like, we were friends. We were pretty close and um, had a really good rapport and a, and a, a level of trust and, and understanding. But our third date was a 48-hour peyote ceremony in a teepee in Joshua Tree. And we weren't a couple yet. I mean, it's our third date. I made an exception on the timeline and some of those parameters and, and rules about like safe dating for myself. Uh, because this was a unique opportunity. And I honestly, I just felt intuitively that it would be okay. And I was just going to go myself and I kind of mentioned it to her. She was in New York at the time. And I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to this thing. And she was like, oh, it's with these people or whatever. And um, I said, why do you want to go or something? You know, I wasn't like necessarily inviting her, but I, I was just seeing if that's what she was getting at. And she's like, oh, wow. I didn't even know. I hadn't thought about it, but shit. And then she felt into it. She's like, I'm coming out and we're going. And so it just sort of coalesced in a really natural way. But there was a moment, uh, I think on the second night, I mean, it's all kind of a blur. And she had some <laughs> things she wanted to discuss with me because 
um, how do I say it? I mean, she tells the story much more accurately and probably concisely, but essentially I'm trying to follow these rules that I set for myself, which are like, dude, you, this is not what you do on a third day, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you Luke yourself some slack here because this is a unique situation. <laughs> but the, the ceremony itself was, and the facilitators were essentially, they didn't know our backstory. They were just seeing the energetics of how we interacted together. And so they began to treat us as a full-on couple. And there were all of these initiations and things that took place in a very traditional, very strict peyote ceremony that goes all night and you can't go to sleep. You have to sit up and be attentive and participate in all of the activities. It was beautiful, but it was, it was quite arduous. But in the ceremony, there were all of these <laughs> initiations where we were treated like a couple that was together. And in fact, one of the the ceremonies within the ceremony was the shaman presiding, marrying us. And all of this was very scary to me. And because it was, I'm trying to do things right this time, man. You know, like I'm really, my heart was in such a good place. I was, I was really trying to protect myself and Allison and just go slow and I don't want to repeat my old patterns, man, but here we are in the ceremony and it's just, it got wonky for me. And she, of course, felt that and my resistance and kind of like closing down a little bit. So anyway, we get back to the Airbnb and she wants to talk about all that. And I was very open-hearted and I'm still really in a medicine space and felt like I could be receptive to whatever she wanted to share. And she essentially shared like, hey, I'm, I'm all in. Like, I see you. Do you see me? basically in in more words but that was the essence of it and it was like oh shit and in a really beautiful moment that I'll never forget I thought of the list the vision that I just described for you and I started mentally taking an inventory of all the things that I had written on that list to manifest my perfect partner and as I started to think of them I, I shared it with her. I mean, I didn't open up my Evernote document, but I I, <laughs> I knew it very well because I'm studying it all the time and refining it. And like, I'm really not going to deviate outside of the plan. And so I started sharing some of those qualities with her. And as I'm sharing with her, I'm looking at her and I realize the person that I had described is sitting right in front of me. And is all in, is is there for this. She just was a little far ahead, as women usually are, <laughs> you know. She intuited like, oh, there's something special here in our dynamic, right? Um, but again, innocently, I was really trying to just keep the the rails on this thing, right? Or or keep it on the rails rather, or just like, whoa, let's let's stay in line. So thankfully, she was able to see what was happening in the magic of that moment, that whole weekend experience that I couldn't see. And I was a little slow to, to catch up. But when I sat and realized that she was the one I was looking for, and she realized I was the one that was looking for, I was faced with a really difficult decision. And that decision was, am I going to trust my heart? And can I discern whether this is my heart or these are those unhealed parts of myself that led me to think, this is the one, man, this is the one so many times before, you know, is what I'm feeling 
alignment or am I feeling infatuation? Mm. Infatuation and alignment are two totally different things. And so I had essentially a, a short night to sleep on it. So I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm in. You know, and she's like, <laughs> just sleep on it. We're in kind of a, a strange vortex here. I know a lot's happened. And I'm, I mean, I'm really just over there like, oh, what is happening? You know, it was just, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. And, uh, you know, in the morning, that was when I really, I really had to tune in and just, okay, Luke, man, this is it. Like, you don't want to hurt this person and you don't want to hurt yourself. What are you going to do? You know? What are you going to do? Do you do you want to give it a shot, even though this is totally outside of the plan that we've created, right? That the well-intentioned plan. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, a huge moment of growth for me because I did obviously elect to just go for it and go all in as unorthodox as the dynamics of our relationship were at that point. Um, but it was a moment in which I gained so much trust in myself I mean, it took a while for that trust to unfold, of course, when things worked out and, you know, it ended up being a fulfilling, healthy relationship uh, that, it, that it has blossomed into. But in that moment, you know, waking up the next morning, she's like, so how are you feeling? Like, no pressure. If, you know, in other words, kind of like, she gave me an out. It, mm -hmm. And I could have said like, well, you know what? I slept on it and let's just date for a while more. Let's date some other people and Let's just slow our roll here. I think, you know, this might have been a, a little bit of an intense third date sitting in ceremony and let's just take a pause and, and slow down. Like I could have said that and maybe she would have stayed around, but I don't think she would have. <laughs> and I, and so I think again. she's told me before that she wouldn't have. And so it wasn't an ultimatum. It was no pressure. She was honestly saying like, hey man, like do what you need to do. I'm still mm -hmm. here. Where are you this morning? And I was like, gulp big swallow i said yeah i'm in let's let's give it a shot and, and thus we became a couple you know and um so despite all of the the, the confines that i'd created and and all the well-intentioned plans god had god's own plan and a lot of that was thrown out but the reason it was not thrown out but a lot of that was um amended but not because of my own will of like, oh my God, this girl's so hot. I got to be with her. I'm going to ignore all the red flags. Not that. Mm -hmm. It was actually just the realization and the acknowledgement that the vision that I had wisely created had manifested. And it was right freaking here in front of my face, letting me know I'm here. Let's roll. And all I had to do was just go, oh, okay. This is not how I <laughs> thought it was going to look. At all, but like are God's plans ever how we think they're going to look? Mm -mm. Rarely. And and if we are in the practice of surrender over a period of time, which has been the case for me at least, my little ideas are so lame and, and so limited compared <laughs> to what God, spirit, higher power, whatever you want to call it, the thing that keeps our heart beating every night and we fall asleep, that thing, what that thing wants for us and holds for us and is is just kind of on the other side of, you know, other side of a, a hill kind of, you know, waiting for us to voluntarily walk over the hill. It's like, look what you have, this beautiful prairie of flowers, you know, it's like, mm. and we're over there trying to pull up one little dandelion and hang <laughs> on to that, you know, there's just, there's, there's so much more available. And so I think a lot of that was possible because of the vision that I created and all of the work that went into it beforehand. 
and for me to really look at what is truly important in a partner. And in the moment, actually, there was another part of it that was very meaningful. When I had the realization that the woman sitting across from me was the exact uh, description or fit the exact description that I created, there was a really powerful moment in which I realized, I mean, aside from being you know, having female anatomy, <laughs> leaving all those parts of it aside, right? obviously, <laughs> I'll joke there. But the meaningful parts of it, the moral character, just the values, uh, all of those things that that really mattered to me, I realized, holy shit, in the past couple of years, I've actually cultivated these things within myself. And what I'm asking for from a partner, I am totally capable of delivering myself. Mm. And that was a huge part of that moment. In other words, I'm not asking her to be anything that I'm not willing to be or capable of being. And so there again is that alignment. There again is that like begets like. I'm asking for someone who's honest and loyal and caring and all of those things. And, And I had a moment of looking inside and going, holy shit, this hasn't always been the case, certainly. And I'm sure it hasn't for her either in her past. But right now in my life, I'm that guy on paper. I'm that. I'm here. I can do it. Not perfectly, but better than it's ever been, closer than I've ever been. And she's closer than she's ever been, right? Mm. And 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 thus began um, you know, what has been, I mean, really one of one of the biggest miracles of my entire life, you know, and it and it all followed the process that I just described. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And that's why it takes, you know, an hour and 27 minutes to <laughs> Describe 52 years of of learning, you know, and just getting back up again, falling down, getting back up again, falling down, getting back up again, and just refusing to close my heart and refusing to succumb to the fear of getting hurt again or hurting someone else again, you know, just like, oh my God, just getting my ass handed to me, man, getting Mm. my heart broken so many times, breaking so many hearts, just getting devastated by relationships, you know, it's really, really the last, well, I'm sure there's more to learn, but that was really the last part of my maturity to, to develop, you know, it's just so much pain went into that. And looking back, it's just, I mean, there were things I would do differently as it pertained to other people and their experience for sure. But in my experience, I wouldn't have it any other way. Because I'm so hard head hard headed that and just so habituated to just being stuck in the ruts of my patterns, I needed to get just destroyed. You know, that ego death was so necessary for me to just go, okay, you know what? Put my hands up, white flag up, I surrender. I literally don't know how to do this. I need help. <laughs> I need help. I need therapy. I need groups. I need books. I need counselors, coaches, whatever. I can't do this. And that's what I did. And these are all things essentially that I learned from teachers, teachings that I started to put together and actually apply, right? And so anyone that's listened to this episode and um, has that same question, you know, or maybe someone in a relationship that just wants it to be more healthy and fulfilling and intimate and all those things, um, you can listen to someone like me talk, like I listened to other people talk for years. And it might be interesting or intriguing and different points might sort of pique your curiosity, but 
nothing does the work except doing the work. It's like, if there's three things I said, we're like, eh, I don't know about the rest of it, but these three things rang true for me. Write it down or it'll be in the show notes at lukestory.com slash 466. Write it down and Mm -hmm. explore its practical application in your life. Like, don't read about it. Don't listen to it. Do it. (laughs) Do it. Are you an OG breathwork veteran or a newbie curious about how you can use this practice to enhance your life? Well, it's no secret that I am a massive fan of all things breathwork. Way before I began to explore the realm of micro and macrodosing psychedelic medicines, I was using breathwork techniques to enter into deeply healing states of consciousness. And I got to say, I've been fairly disciplined with my practice over the years, but if it's left up to me, I'm not very likely to do it every day. And when I do, I don't typically commit to longer, more impactful sessions. Well, I recently found an incredible breathwork app called Othership. Othership gives you access to an on-demand library of journeys to help you regulate your nervous system state, or if you go deep enough with some of the longer tracks, have truly transcendent experiences. They combine guided breathing techniques created by psychotherapists, wellness practitioners, hypnotherapists, artists, DJs, spiritual teachers, and life coaches. And Othership sessions are all backed by science and very music-driven. So whether you have time to practice for one minute or 60 minutes with the Othership app, you get instant access to profound state changes and sometimes some pretty damn deep experiences. So if you're ready to blast off and explore all Othership has to offer right now, sign up for your 14-day free trial. You heard that right, 14 days for free over at othership.us slash Luke. I really think this is the perfect tool to make this year your best one yet. So give yourself the gift of breath because it keeps on giving. And again, you can find that at othership.us slash Luke. I love the part. I had never heard this part of your story before about the the rules that you created. And, oh, man. <laughs> but what you didn't do, so, so you put these things in place to protect yourself because you're like, okay, I'm obviously not doing this right and I'm very vulnerable. So if I don't follow these rules, then I'm putting self, myself in a situation that I don't want to be in. But then once you were able to see that you didn't need that prote- protection anymore, that you were in a safe situation, you were able to adapt immediately and say, oh, those rules are not important here. I can move forward like God has brought me here. Yeah, that's that's a really good that's a really good point. I never thought about it that way, Bailey. I think I had the wherewithal. And this is largely due to the <laughs> the energetics of eating a lot of peyote. And I'm, <laughs> I'm I mean, just being honest. I'm not recommending, hey, if you want a great relationship, go eat a bunch of peyote. But, you know, I'm I'm in a deep medicine experience. And in that, I think without being aware of it, I was able to assess the situation and alter the degree to which I was going to adhere to those confines, right? So it it became dynamic because I realized kind of to, to what you're saying here is that, oh, because that's what I was fighting through the first two days of that sermon. I was like, no, 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 no. They're tr- they're marrying us. Like I was mortified. I was terrified. I was like, I'm looking at Allison. You know, we're kneeling at an altar, and she's like, you are now married. And 
you know, is doing You just all... let the whole thing happen and but you were like What was I gonna do? Like go, oh, oh yeah, I'm not into this and walk out. I was just sitting there and inside my heart's pounding. I'm just like, what is happening? Like, no, 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 no. You I'm I'm thinking the facilitators, the shamans are like they got this, like, they don't understand. They're just like, confused. <laughs> yeah. Like, do they think we've been together for 10 years? Like, what is happening? And I was freaking out inside be- because, you know, I was scared of going too fast and not thinking it through and just being a dumbass like I had been before. Allison, you know, again, was a little far farther ahead of me and she saw that we had something really special and I was just late to the party. So, but when we had that conversation, I started to to tune in and catch up and go, oh, okay, I think we're dealing with a different type of situation here. This is being orchestrated by something other than just us two and our attraction to one another, right? It's, this isn't, you know, we just met at a party or a bar and now we're going home together and it's like, I think she's the one. Like, ah, it's not, it's not that, that's for sure. This is a deep soul connection for real. And, you know, actually, one of the things that I did adhere to, even though we became a couple on our third date and became committed and, you know, exclusive and and that kind of thing, I mean, we weren't seeing or talking to other people like we're now together. I don't know how long it was. I'd have to ask her, but we didn't have sex for a while after that. I mean, I think it might have been two or three months or something, which was also in my in my rule book was like, no like actual sex for i don't know if it was a period of time two or three months or a number of dates or whatever the case was but incidentally we both just kind of it just sort of organically worked out that way that our relationship didn't become physical as fast as it became emotionally connected Mm -hmm. and maybe it could have done that faster and it would have been fine. I mean, it probably would have been, but that was something I was still aware of. Like, okay, I want to make sure that I have my bearings about me and that I'm not fooling myself into thinking this is the one because it's new and exciting and all of that, you know? So, so there were elements of that, but yeah, you're right. I think I realized like, oh, I'm swimming in different waters here. Like different rules are going to apply. We're in the shamanic realm thing. We're in the quantum type of relationship and bonding here that it doesn't fit within the parameters of any other normal earthly experience. Mm. Yeah. I love that story so much. I think I've heard it like five or six times now. It's still so good. (laughs) I I love it too. I think I'm getting better at telling it more accurately because when I tell it in, in Allison's <laughs> presence, she's like, no, 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 no. That's not what happened, Luke. And then she tells the story for real, but that's as close as I've gotten to it, I think. And, and that's the crux of it. You know, there's really the part of just doing the inner work, being very clear about what I want, being honest with myself about the fact that I either have or don't have within me what I'm looking for in another person. And then, you know, um, following some healthy guidelines when you do find the person to whatever your version of slow is, you know, to make sure that each person is maintaining their autonomy and sovereignty within themselves and that you're coming together to create a third entity, which is the relationship. But you have to both be whole, at least whole enough for you to then create this third thing versus codependency where there's just a one merged self without two whole self parts. 
the relationship mm. becomes the whole you because you become so enmeshed, so intertwined that you lose yourself. And that's this feeling of like, oh my God, I would die without them. And they don't text you back and you have a panic attack. And meanwhile, they're just like getting coffee and, you know, like all this weird stuff. Some so people unstable. relate to that. Yeah. Some people will relate and some people won't. Um, but yeah, the, the, the crux of, I think of manifesting a partner, at least in my experience, and there's probably as many ways to manifest, you know, a great partner as there are partners out in the world. I mean, there's billions of different dynamics that could take place. This is just what's worked for me, you know, and um, I, I have a sense that Allison and I are, are going to become old people together. You know, I just, oh. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I literally can't imagine being with anyone else or ever wanting anything different or more or less it's just i'm just home you know it's just it it's she's my person i'm her person it's just all all love all the time mm, you, you know, did it I, yeah there's i mean god did it i was just willing i was a <laughs> yeah. willing participant you know and i'm sure things will come up right there's you know people are dynamic things change you both evolve and there could be a situation where i'm like you know what i don't want to live in texas anymore let's move to you know Idaho and she's like fuck snow and then we have to negotiate that you know what it's like nothing is perfect perfect but when you have the underlying foundation where your your compatibility is based on your individual and collective dharma it's like you're both here to do the same thing in your own unique way that level of alignment is really powerful you know we're here to serve humanity both of us and part of the way we do that is by continuing to grow and learn and evolve ourselves so that you then, you know, have maybe the second half of your life based on just giving and serving and not so much on having to learn all the lessons and keep studying and getting your ass kicked. You know, hopefully the getting your ass kicked phase is somewhat temporary. You know, <laughs> I think I'm hopefully done with the getting my ass kicked phase, but then people are going to die and careers are going to change and the government's going to oppress us and you know who knows what's going to happen right i mean life is unpredictable but i do have a sense that at least within our relationship that it's it's solid and sturdy and it makes me a better man she calls out the best parts of me and will not for a second put up with any of my bullshit anything less than excellent is not tolerated and that's not like she's nagging me or mothering me or something like that. She just knows that there's an awesome man inside here and does everything she can to bring that forward. And if there's something blocking that, she's really good at seeing that. And without shaming me, encouraging me to step up into my power. It's like sometimes I think about her as like she came from another timeline or another dimension as. I don't know if guardian angel is the right word, but she's there on a, I mean, this is on a very etheric level. She's there to encourage me to be her king, mm. but it's not even for me being her king. It's for me to be a king, mm -hmm. my king, right? And so if there's any distortions in our field of, people around or things that I'm doing or just weird shit happening. She's really good at seeing that. 
And the reason that she creates awareness around that for me is to help me be the best me. And in in similar ways, I also inform her and teach her. I mean, she asks me for advice about things all the time and I'm able to have insights that are different than hers because I've had different experiences in my, in my, um, her shamanic path and my spiritual path intersect in many ways, but they're also quite different. You know, the books that we've read, the teachers we've studied with, they're, they're different. And so I have a different perspective. I'm coming at her with the Vedic non-dual perspective and she's coming (laughs) at me like from the power animal realms and shamanic medicine and things like that. So it's complementary, but we both really, um, you know, learn from each other, which is beautiful because no one's above the other. Like there's, there's true equality in that learning. And that's a good, a good really uh, barometer of a relationship, I think is, do you bring out the best or the worst in one another? You know? Mm, Yeah. And if it's the worst, man, that's uh, that's at least cause for a pause and some evaluation. You know, can we fix this, or are we just are we together for the wrong reasons? You know, which is sometimes the case. Well, I think one question was enough. I think it's enough too. You know, you know, we should probably do Bailey on these on these new AMAs because I think last time we did three questions and it was like two hours long. I just, I'm so passionate about trying to help people and and sharing the hard-earned experience that I have in my life, some mm-hmm. of which might be projected as wisdom and some of it just thinking out loud, maybe a mix of both. Maybe we should just pick a topic, right? Um, one topic, which this one essentially was because it's something people right. ask us about a lot, right? It's like, bring, I want to bring in a partner. I'm changing and evolving. I'm listening to this podcast, doing all these cool things. And like, I'm still single. What's up? You know, it's just, it's a, a, a very common uh, sentiment amongst our listeners. And so, yeah, maybe it's just, we, we pick one hot topic that, that I don't know about hopefully before we start <laughs> and I just go off, you know, and just say, Hey man, this is everything I've got. Cause listen, it's like, all right. So we could have made this 60 minutes, right? This is always the thing I'm playing with. What if God forbid, knock on wood, you know, I get hit by a bus tonight and I'm like, Oh, we got to, we, we could only make it 60 minutes, even though there are all these other moments of inspiration that I'm suppressing because I'm like, Oh, I don't want it to be too long for people. I don't want to be too verbose, et cetera. It's like, well, this is the way I was, I was made. And um, when I'm passionate about something that involves like helping other people avoid suffering or alleviate the suffering uh, uh, that they're currently experiencing, I'm just all in. And I, I've got to say everything that there is to say in an effort to get it out while I'm still here. Yeah. And the, um, when we go with one question, it's like, it brings up, the answer brings up so many other questions anyway. So if we just make it a topic, then we can follow it wherever it needs to go. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for holding space. I think one thing that makes these great, I know, Last time I think we're like, even I said, I was like, oh, Bailey, you got to talk more. Like, let's have more of a dialogue. But I just fucking take over, you know? Um, well, this but, one, I was like, this is how it's supposed to be. You were you were on it the whole time. I think when we're doing more questions, right? Then it's like, you know, we kind of bounce the ball back and forth a little bit. But this one just got me in my heart because it, it's something about which I am so passionate, especially right now at this point in my life. Um, 
but you're also you just holding space and you and I have talked about stuff around this topic before just outside mm-hmm. of, of work and stuff so I, I think well I don't think I'm I intuit and have a sense that some of this is for you <laughs> you know I so, would say so yeah um yeah because I can feel there's like this certain sensation I get when I'm sharing something with someone because I don't know who's going to listen to this I can't feel into them or the future right but in this moment Mm -hmm. it's like I feel like we could have been on uh, a zoom conversation and you're just like hey like let me just ask you some questions about (laughs) relationships I would have said really the same exact thing so right I'm just channeling it out of you yeah for the benefit of everybody yeah, you you do have uh, you do have that tendency to bring out you know some of the some of that stuff within me. So thank you for that, and thank you oh, for being good. such a great space holder and a listener. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And with that, we're done. This is episode four sixty six. You guys can find the show notes at lukestory.com slash four six six. I feel like that's an auspicious number for some reason. I don't know what it means in numerology, but. It's almost demonic if it's <laughs> two digits short from being 666, but it has a nice, it has a nice ring to it. So it's, it's not that. Um, and I want to encourage you guys to uh, follow me on Instagram at Luke Story. And sometimes we do go through our social media and take questions out of there. Again, we're just kind of generalizing here. This is just a common question. So that's why we pulled this one out. But I love interacting with the listeners on Instagram because that's really the only social media platform that that I kind of do most of it myself. I mean, there's people that assist with it, but I'm I'm on there every day, probably more than I should be. And I like uh I like seeing who the listeners are too. You know, someone will DM me or comment on something and I click through to them and I'm like, oh cool. Just gives me an idea of who's on the other side of these these dialogues. You know, it's it's a fun way for me to get to know people. So make sure you follow me. And also following me on Instagram is does me a great favor too because um during the time of the pandemic, I've been pretty heavily shadow banned and like they won't verify my account and the engagement that I once got has been um, much less, I think, over the course of the past three years because of my outspoken, um, you know, uh, attitude about the goings on. So, you know, follow me there. And then also for people that have totally abandoned the highly censored corporate run and own social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so on. I do have a Telegram channel and you can find that at lukestory.com slash Telegram. However, the Telegram channel is highly uncensored and um, <laughs> potentially triggering and you know it's pretty spicy in there. And there's a lot more kind of, I don't know, political commentary and just anti-establishment sort of perspectives there. So enter at your own risk um, if if you want the censored, um, more neutral version of the work I do, then Instagram's a great place to find it. Um, and if you want community um, that's not a bunch of conspiracy theorists like on the Telegram channel, and I mean that as a compliment, conspiracy analysts rather, then we have right. a Facebook group you can just go into Facebook and search the Lifestylist podcast. And we have a group of, I think like 7,000 people in there now who are awesome people. And they're super smart because they'll they'll post questions in there. And I go in, I'm like, oh, Smarty Pants Luke is going to answer. And I'm like, oh shit, they already nailed it. There'll be like five people already answered it more effectively than I could. Um, so the, the Facebook group is good, especially for people that are really interested in more of the physical health stuff. 
Uh, it's basically like an alternative health Facebook group because people don't really talk about the relationships and spirituality and things that I'm frankly more passionate about talking about. But I, I do like to dip into the group because it's there's just some wild stuff going on in there. People have all sorts of health problems and they're fixing them or not fixing them and people are offering a lot of value. So I guess those are those are kind of the ways that you can further interact with us. Did I forget anything, Bailey? Um, definitely sign up for the newsletter. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been plugging that a lot more in the um, in the podcast recently. Oh, I don't good. know if you yeah if you see that in the intros, but um, for those listening, what she's referring to is we put a lot of time and effort every week into uh, creating a newsletter for each uh, episode, and so there'll be complete show notes and timestamps and links to everything we talk about. There's a link to the complete written transcript for every episode. There's an embedded link for the audio, for the video. So every Tuesday morning, every single piece of content uh, to support that episode is delivered via email. And that's pretty much all we send out. I mean, we're not spammers. Every once in a while, I don't know, if I have an event or something like that going on, we'll send an email out. But um, it's not like I mean, we don't really sell anything. You know what I mean? It's like I I don't I don't I don't have like my own supplement company or something where I'm gonna be trying to sell you a bunch of stuff. I'm just kind of doing my thing. So if you want to get all of the podcast assets every week, go to lukestory.com slash newsletter. And I promise not to spam you. I won't share your email with any third parties. And if you get sick of it, you can just unsubscribe. Super easy. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what right. I do. I unsubscribe to so many things. It's probably, I think like three or four a day. I don't know how I get on all these newsletters and I'm just like, leave me alone. There's probably five things that I actually want to be subscribed to because I want to know like Joe Dispenza retreats or I don't know, different things where I'm like, oh shit, I don't want to miss that. So I'm, I'm intentionally signed up. So if you're one of those people, um, you can join our newsletter there. I think that's it. Thanks, Bailey. That's it. Thank you. All right, cool deal. 